today on Ag News Daily. And you have the funds. They are long corn and beans. They are, they want the prices to move higher. So when there's not that bullish input of, of some negative weather slowing down harvest. Hey, listeners, welcome to the Ag News Daily podcast. It is Monday, October 17th, 2022. And today on Ag News Daily, it's just your host, Tanner Winterhoff. So we're going to have some fun here. Get caught up from a nice weekend with a chilly start to the day. Get you some news pointed in the right direction to get the week kicked off, and then we'll take a look at markets. So first of all, hope all of you are doing really well. We appreciate you listening. I know we don't take the time to do that enough, but uh, also if you wouldn't mind heading over to our social media channels, giving us a follow and uh, letting us know what you want to hear next. But we're going to hit right away here on the beginning, some news related to the Mississippi River that we've talked about for quite some time now. But Tower Rock, the massive island in the middle of the Mississippi River, just south of St. Louis, is typically surrounded by water and only accessible by boat until now. The severe drought has continued to spread across the Midwest, pushing the the river levels to record lows. And now you can actually walk to this island. So since the water levels below one and a half feet at the Chester, Illinois River gauge. You can now make a tourist trip out to Tower Rock and take a look. So uh, even though more than 55% of the United States has experienced drought to one extent this year on the U.S. Drought Monitor, this area is the lowest that they've seen it in most of our lifetimes. So quite interesting news there. Pictures of people just scampering across this area earlier this weekend. Uh, enjoying the opportunity because they may never get to do that again in their lifetime. Of course, the lower Mississippi River level and the Ohio River level, which we haven't talked much about, is still creating very poor barge conditions for shipping. Uh, Barges are grounded. They're stopping loaded barges from reaching the Gulf in a timely manner. Obviously, we've talked about River terminals are scrambling to stay open, and they're trying to get harvest bushels out of the Midwest. We've had local reports of elevators being full, struggles to get rail into the area, cars into the area to get some of these unloaded. We're already seeing piles on the ground. Uh, Looks like a 500,000 bushel pile of soybeans has already been put together at the West Memphis plant, which is where some of these items are stopping. Corbin Cat. President and owner of Cat and Associates around Kansas City told DTN that a couple of elevators had uh, sold their St. Louis grains to export and are now being given the option to reroute that grain through other crush facilities. So it'll be interesting to see how many other players in the market right now are going to have to change or alternate their plans and what this is going to do to our commodity markets. So I'm hoping to have a good conversation here at the end of this podcast and get some of those questions answered. Staying weather focused though, we have drought and now we've got cold. Some of the coldest air of the season is going to drift down into the south. There is a pressure system coming down from the north. It looks like uh, AccuWeather meteorologists are tracking this powerful disturbance as it sweeps through the central and eastern United States. This could potentially create a storm that brings snowflakes to the northeast, but focusing more down on our southern states, they're looking at some bitter cold temperatures, especially for this time of year. 
unseasonably cold air is headed down that direction. Lows to be below freezing Tuesday and Wednesday this week. This period uh, from Monday through Wednesday looks to be the most frigid. Nashville, Tennessee, Birmingham, Alabama could set potential records for those areas. Tuesday, like I said, that cold front will dive even further south. We'll get into Florida and Texas. So you listeners in that area, uh, we feel for you a little bit, but also not too bad as uh, we spend most of our harvest season here in Iowa, battling the extra layers in the morning and turning the AC on in the afternoon. But just to talk a little bit more about these cold weathers, it looks like a winter storm weather, winter storm warning has been issued for parts of northern Wisconsin through 7 p.m. on Monday night. This could potentially produce up to six inches of snow and 35 miles per hour wind gusts. So I don't know if uh, you guys are ready for weather like that, but that gives you a little bit of a dose here of what we're looking at. Of course, we know, as I stated in that first article, a lot of the states have experienced drought and now nearly all of Kansas has assistance available, half of Missouri to be included, but the severe drought has now activated a federal program that is meant to help ranchers who have lost grazing acres for their herds and will trigger millions of dollars in assistance. 85 of Kansas's 105 counties will now be eligible for the U.S. Department of Ag's Livestock Forage Program and 47 counties in Missouri. So when you look at those, they are looking to help the drought plagued areas in those two of the states and have declared those areas of emergency. Now, hopefully we can get some help. The US Department of Ag's program is offering assistance to farmers and ranchers. Uh, of course, that can be paid out to $47 million this year in 2021 only a million dollars was distributed so you can go out and take a look now at the usda's website and see if your county falls into an area that can get assistance available uh, going across the seas we haven't talked uh, day it seems to go without reporting from the russia and ukraine battle the united states made their announcement today that they intend to further crack down on iran for helping russia with the war on Ukraine. They also didn't limit it to only Iran. They said anybody who plans to send missiles or materials to Moscow or help Russia on the battlefield, battlefield could expect penalties. The penalties likely to include economic sanctions, possible export controls. They would target potentially those who are helping uh, the Russian side of this war. Are we going to do more about Iran military involvement with Russia? Absolutely, said the US official. Or for anybody in the world who is either selling material to Iran that could be used for unmanned aerial vehicles or ballistic missiles, or involved in flights between Iran and Russia. He basically gave a warning out here that everything's gonna reach a higher level of scrutiny in the effects to hopefully help prevent Russia from killing more Ukrainians. The official declined to get into specifics about what the future penalties could become, but wanted to make it known here that they are continuing to monitor from the United States side and the Biden administration publicly now has issued this warning for anybody looking to assist Russia. 
couple of lighter pieces in the news before we get to markets today. John Deere is going to spend nearly $30 million to shift their cotton harvester manufacturing from China to Thibodeau. They're looking to create an additional 70 jobs directly when they move their new version of cotton harvester manufacturing back into the expansion of the Thibodeau, Louisiana facility. The new jobs have an average annual salary of nearly $48,000. The company already has 284 employees in Thibodeau, and the work will create a potential of up to 110 jobs, starting with the 70 initially. Obviously, John Deere is a manufacturer of ag equipment, as we all know, but their new product line will have upgraded equipment which will allow the LaForche Parish plant to begin making the new model of harvester that will replace the ones being built in China currently. This presents a huge opportunity for John Deere and Thibodeau to deliver innovative technology solutions to our customers. They're excited about this. Of course, they worked with the local LED Fast Start program to potentially receive a grant of up to $1 million dollars once this plant is up and running. They're looking to have harvesters roll off in the next two years and be at full capacity by 2025. When you look indoors now for my last piece, a new revolutionary technology in vertical farming has been unveiled today. They've developed a vertical farming solution that will be a complete game changer allowing those vertical farms to potentially harvest up to 15 crops in a year. So this British ag tech pioneer, Agritech Group, IGA, has unveiled its new GrowFrame 360 vertical farming solution. When I look at the pictures, uh, it looks like just like you'd see in the movies to where the LED lights are uh, looking at vertical beds of greens. <clears throat> the advantages here obviously is no climate dependency. The grow frame does not require sunlight. It eliminates weather and seasonal dependency and you can control the water. They are exclusive technology, accelerates crop growth to potentially 15 harvest cycles per year compared to three to four of traditional farming and the previous expectations of around 10 per year. So looking to add additional productivity. The GrowFrame 360 solution is fully automated and managed by a human machine interface, HMI, using real time data to take advantage of the technology available. They look to use 98% less water than traditional farming, which is most vertical farms and indoor farms have uh, talked about doing. But the biggest thing they have here is the UV treatment with sumps and filters to get those extra five harvest cycles per year. So good news there for our food technology. Let's roll right into a highlight here of where markets ended at today on Monday, October 17th. Looks like corn contracts were down across the board, December 23, down four and a quarter to 624.60. Soybeans hit again with the November contract up three cents, closing out today at 1387 and a quarter. Wheat contracts for December up just a penny today at 861 even. As we look at live cattle, October and December contracts both trading up just slightly, closing out at 147.87 and 149.20.
feeder cattle again in the green, lean hogs also in the green. Feeder cattle contract for November up a penny six to 176.40, lean hogs up 270, both for December and February, closing out at 84.95 and 85.97 respectively. Let's get into our Market Monday conversation now. Here we go. And the Market Monday portion of this Ag News Daily podcast, we're joined by Jeff French, founder of Ag Hedgers. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Henner. Good to be here. We appreciate you jumping on and helping me get to the bottom of what things look like today. First, I want to know, and so do our listeners, what impact is the Mississippi River having on the grain markets? Are, is it truly uh, a non-player now, or is that getting baked into what we're seeing? Well, not so much uh, on the flat price. It's definitely affecting the spreads when you look at uh, some of the carries in the markets. But uh, yeah, Stack Island, Mississippi, I mean, they are just stacking up these barges um, and it doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon. They're, they're saying it could last another three to four weeks. So you are seeing basis uh, impacted negatively along the rivers uh, if you are close to those terminals. Uh, now we do have, you know, alternatives. Uh, we have rail and we have trucking, but boy, uh, I think it's something over 60% of the exports uh, for corn and beans uh, flow through uh, the Missouri and down through the Gulf. So it's a big deal. And uh, no, it, it's unfortunately, it's, it's not over. And, and it looks like it could last another three to four weeks as they dredge out get the uh, rivers deeper in places where some of these heavy barges can uh, pass through. What they're doing now is they're just filling barges half full uh, to make them less heavy. But uh, yeah, it's not a good deal at all. Yeah, it is something that we've obviously reported on and, and been paying attention to. But what other factors today were affecting the grains, both corn and soybeans? Well, you, you know, we come into this week, uh, started the trade out Sunday and you know, we had a pretty negative session last Friday to close out the week. So we were initially steady to higher, uh, but the U.S. dollar backed off uh, drastically as the British pound uh, rallied sharply here today because of the U.K. They are ending all their tax cuts. So uh, that was welcomed from the uh, financial standpoint. Uh, that decreased the U.S. dollar down about a dollar twenty-five right now here, sharply lower. So you would have thought you'd see a little bit more strength in the grain complex, but you got to look at the prices where we're at here, Tanner. I mean, we're, we're knocking on $7 corn and $14 beans uh, during the thick of harvest. I mean, everybody uh, throughout the corn belt is harvesting. There, there's absolutely no uh, weather delay, no rain delays uh, right now through this harvest. So there is definitely some selling pressure going on. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys, they, they, they harvest it and then Whatever, whatever doesn't fit in the bin, uh, they go ahead and take it to town. So that's what we could be seeing here in this corn market, unable to get above $7. Uh, and you look at the corn, I mean, in the last, well, about eight, nine weeks, so we, we've just been in this tight trading range from $660 uh, up to $697. So until we can really break out either way below $660 or above, six, or above $7, uh, I'm staying pretty neutral uh, in this core market, but I, you know, in my opinion, I wouldn't uh, be surprised if we kind of just grind lower here 
because these are still historically very elevated prices. So when you look at the harvest progress, you know, we'll get an update for our listeners tomorrow on what things look like. But the fact that it has seemed to be pretty smooth weather-wise, is that part of the reason that could drag it a little bit lower too? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it just, and you have the funds, they, they are long, meaning that they are, they are long corn and beans. They, are, they want the prices to move higher. So when, when there's not that bullish input of, of some negative weather slowing down harvest, uh, that just gives them one less reason to continue to buy uh, these contracts up. Uh, so yeah, it's it's definitely and, and as we get, you know, we'll see. I mean, beans should be right around fifty percent harvested, and maybe a little bit more. Uh, corn's obviously going to be behind that, with you know many places just kind of getting into the first part of the corn here crop right now. So um, you know, harvest is at a, a good pace. Uh, we should be right right with the five-year average or maybe a little bit faster. But uh, again, uh, these are excellent prices. And, and then you look down south uh, to our competition, uh, Brazil right now on their corn and beans planting. It's, it's like they're April down there. Uh, they're going into their growing season, uh, but they are uh, faster plantings in both corn and beans compared to their five-year average. So we are expecting the record uh, corn or record bean acres planted down in Brazil, looking at 104 million acres. So uh, they potentially, I mean, it's, it's, you know, again, it's very early, but they're looking at a five and a half to 5.6 billion bushel bean crop just in Brazil alone. Yeah, that's not going to help with the side of pressure to push prices lower for us for certain, but let's switch our table over here into the livestock side of things. Uh, USDA had now turned loose some more government funding for those farmers and ranchers in Missouri, Kansas, and down in some of these drought-stricken areas to help them that are dealing with, you know, very dry conditions for grazing on cattle. But yet we see what seems to be an unseasonality climb in all livestock markets today. What's behind that? Well, yeah, I mean, and, and this is, you know, we, we've been in a bear market in the cattle for about the last three and a half, four years, and we, we are just coming out of that. Uh, and in, in bull markets, uh, cattle prices compared to the third quarter, fourth quarter, uh, nine out of the last 10 years during the, during the bull markets, the fourth quarter is higher price. So seasonally, it looked like the cutout, beef cutout uh, bottomed right there around the second week of October. Uh, packer margins actually went negative there a little bit, you know, 15 to negative uh, $25 per head, but that uh, seasonally is right on cue. So uh, we are, you know, starting to ramp up for the holiday season. Uh, demand should be good. And yes, you said it. I mean, there's just been massive uh, cow liquidation, uh, especially in the Southwest. I mean, it's just, you know, when there's no rain and it's hot temperatures uh, and you got to ship in hay and other feed, uh, it gets very, very expensive. So uh, they're calling their herd from a purely economic standpoint, and you can't blame them for that. But uh, I look at the feeders. I actually, we were buying feeder cattle here today, um, you know, and, and I kind of look at, you know, the feeders have kind of been beat up here the last couple of weeks because of the rally in the core market. Well, I'm thinking the rally in the core market is is pretty long in the tooth here and, and getting a little bit overdone. So uh, feeders have held the recent lows. Uh, I look at this March 
in this January board above 175, and I think that's uh, pretty good support. And uh, we 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 are playing today by uh, getting long feeders, especially for those guys that will be uh, buying calves this spring. This is the time to get some protection to the upside. Yeah, that's a good a good place. And lastly, before we sign off, it's been a little while since we've had China in the news. Obviously, we try to keep an eye on them, but is the quiet what seems to be quiet headlines over there really something that's benefiting the hog market or is that not necessarily that big of a player? Well, it, it's twofold. I mean, they, they continue to be pretty good uh, pork buyers here the last couple of weeks, but they've, they've made it uh, part of their, you know, national identity and national agenda to regrow their hog herd. And I mean, they, they have these, I mean, they look like high rises. I mean, this one, uh, is 26 stories tall and each, each, uh, floor holds a thousand hogs. So it's, they, they've made a big push for higher prices, but excuse me for more hogs, but they also have had pretty, uh, rampant food inflation over there as well. So, you know, Xi wants to stay in power. He knows, uh, that revolutions are started in the pits of, uh, of the citizens stomachs. Uh, so he's going to do everything he can to do to keep the, uh, uh, citizens happy on the food inflation side, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's personally, I think, uh, the Chinese economy is, is, uh, is a mess right now. Uh, you know, they're trying to not have an asset bubble, uh, burst like we've seen here in the last couple of years as well. So we'll just have to see, but, uh, I think these world economies, uh, are on really, really shaky ground, uh, throughout the world. Yeah, I, I would agree with you as well. Jeff, we thank you so much for taking time out of your Monday afternoon to share with our listeners. If they want to get in touch with you or learn more about what you've got going on, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah, you can go to agheadgers.com uh, or you can reach me here in the office at 312-217-0122. Awesome. Thanks again, Jeff. And listeners, thanks again. But for today, we're going to let you go and we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you